5. The Parable of the Ten Virgins. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. You want to go to the first slide? When dignitaries visit other countries, they have something called an advance team. And the advance team goes well before they fly in in order to prepare everything so that... um, when the dignitary actually shows up, then there are people to welcome them. And so when the press takes pictures, it all looks really good because here is a, uh, a party to welcome that dignitary and give them all due honor and respect. Want to go to the next slide? Well, that usually works pretty good, except for, for this person. Anybody know who that is? Joe Clark. Joe Clark. Joe Clark was uh, from Alberta. Uh, He represented the Yellowhead Riding. He became prime minister. And then um, he brutally, brutally lost the next election. And I, I, I remember this like yesterday. One of the biggest reasons was that his advance team messed up when he took a trip to India. And what happened there, when Joe Clark arrived in India, he gets off the plane, and there's absolutely nobody there to greet him. There he is standing really, really lonesome. No dignitaries from India there to greet him, not even his own advanced people there. He's just standing on the tarmac, and there's a big picture I remember in the, uh, the, the Toronto uh, Star, right on the front page, 
And there's Joe standing all by his lonesome in a big headline that said, Joe who? Question mark. And he got to be known as Joe who forever after, and like I said, went down to a crashing defeat. Advanced teams matter. That people are shown a proper welcome matters even in our culture. But in a Near Eastern culture like Jesus was in, when he proclaimed the good news, that was triply, quadruply important, was that you showed proper respect to everybody. And so you can imagine how Joe Clark felt. The embarrassment, the anger, and uh, his eventual downfall. It's amazing to me how well he took that and how unembittered he remained. Certainly a credit to him. What happens, though, when Jesus returns because he is coming back? Remember? You know that, right? And uh, Jesus said something about that. You want to go to the next slide? Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? See, knowing that Jesus is coming back just isn't enough. Just like knowing that Joe Clark was going to India wasn't enough. Something had to happen. Something had to be prepared. Something had to be ready to receive and welcome him. And it wasn't there. Jesus says, will there still be faith on the earth? to receive me when I return. That's what this parable of the ten young girls is all about. Uh, You want to go to the first slide or the next slide? In those days, remember, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have outdoor lighting. And uh, if you've ever taken a trip to Israel, you know that at night it can be really, really dark when you get out of the cities. And what would happen at these weddings is that there would be uh, a, um, a great big celebration, but before the celebration, they had to have the ceremony, and before the ceremony, there had to be a bargaining session between the bridegroom and the father and mother of the bride. Uh, now, usually some goats and pigs had to exchange hands, and uh, it was a whole bargaining kind of a thing. And uh, it was called a dowry, right? And uh, this particular thing would happen. The bridegroom would go off and would make the deal and then would come back. And then the big party would begin. But that would often happen at night. And so they would have uh, some of the, uh, like, you know, we have flower girls and stuff. They would have young girls going out, and they would all hold torches. Not like this. This is a lamp, but I couldn't find the right torch, all right? And so, but they would stand outside with these torches, and in that very darkness of the night, the bridegroom and his friends would appear, and they would come, and they would be escorted in by these girls with their torches into the big wedding uh, hall where they would have their... Their, their wedding and the celebration. And uh, that, that all was very, very important in those days. It was all a matter of showing honor and respect to everybody. That was crucial. 
So now Jesus says, he tells a story, all right, just a story, but he says, um, there were these 10 young girls, and they were going to light the way for the bridegroom. Five, he says, were wise, and five were foolish. And the word he uses in the Greek is a very mean word. It's like our stupid. And why would Jesus use such a strong word over, you know, for five young girls who, who had just kind of forgotten to get ready, right? I mean, it happens, right? I mean, why would Jesus be so cruel and severe to these five? Remember, it's only a story, okay? There really were not five young girls that Jesus called stupid. But he's trying to show something in this story that's really, really important. And uh, that's why he's telling the story. He says, five were very wise and five were very foolish. There didn't seem to be much difference between them because they all had their torches and those torches would light. And they all, do you notice this? Because the bridegroom was so delayed in coming, they all fell asleep. There wasn't a single one of those 10 who didn't fall asleep. And you can expect that from young girls. They're they're up way past their bedtime. They're going to fall asleep. But five were wise. Why? Because they were prepared so that when the call came out, hey, the bridegroom is here. He's coming. Get ready. The five who had prepared had extra oil for their torches, and they could go out and light them. But the other five did not have enough oil for their torch, so it would not light. And so they had to go shopping. Good luck with that at midnight. You know, they didn't have all-day stores, Walmarts open or anything. Uh, They were stuck. So that they missed the opportunity to show due honor and respect and a warm welcome and reception to the bridegroom. And the sad part of that was that when they finally did round up the oil, it was all much too late. And the wedding had already started. And they knock on the door and they say, let us in, let us in. And the bridegroom says, I don't even know who you are. Now that seems like a very strong and cruel thing to say. Again, remember, it's just the story. But they had dishonored that bridegroom by not giving him the reception he deserved. And so he says, you cannot come in to celebrate. They had missed their opportunity because they were not ready. And that's the story Jesus is telling. Now, why were they so foolish just to forget some oil and to prepare? Well, the reason for that is that in those days... Uh, Joachim Jeremias, who lived there for 20 years and still knew even today that, in fact, all these weddings were delayed. All the bridegrooms came late. Why? Because they were so busy showing respect to one another that um, they had to make sure that they were late. Because if they were late, everybody would know that they had a very respectful bargaining session. If they were not late, if they showed up on time, everybody would know that somebody had messed up. Let me tell you how this works, all right? Can we go to the next slide? So we're talking about a bargaining culture. 
And if you were asked a certain price of an item and you paid it right away, you would be insulting the salesman because you're saying, oh, first of all, you didn't even value your own goods enough, and secondly, you don't care enough about me to actually have a conversation with me. Weird, right? I mean, we just go to the store, we pay what it says. Not how it works in that culture. Not at all. So anyway, what happens is, so the bridegroom shows up at the house of the parents, of the bride's parents, and uh, the parents will start with an, an, an incredibly high price that they want for their bride. Makes sense, right? I mean, she's such a beautiful girl. She's the apple of our eye. She is so deep in our hearts to part with her. That is worth at least $5 billion. $5 billion, well, you know, um, the, the groom wouldn't even have to check his bank account. He knows he hasn't got that much. So he's going to have to bring the price down, right, for his bride. Now, you'd think that he should start high too because he values the bride, but no, 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 no. In that honor culture, he has to start really, really low. Uh, you know what? Five billion, that's a bit much. How about 50 cents for her? Hmm, 50 cents. No, 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 no. That's not. So they argue back and forth, and they bicker. They both know already, by the way, beforehand, uh, well in advance, how much they're actually going to settle on. Uh, this is all in order to show honor and due respect for everybody. The bride has to be honored. The bride's parents have to be honored. The groom himself and his friends have to be honored. And so a bargaining session ensues that goes on way past the appointed hour, and they don't show up until midnight. When it's all dark, when they need those lamps, and five of the lamps aren't there. Why are these five young girls foolish? Because they knew perfectly well they needed to be prepared. They had lots of warning. They just didn't bother to do it. They did not show the respect they were supposed to and so they miss out. Which is exactly Jesus' point with this parable. He says, keep watch, because you do not know the day and the hour. Be prepared for when Jesus comes back. And this is important for us because we are Jesus' advance crew in this world. We are here as the church of Jesus Christ and as believers and members of that church. We are here in order to see that Jesus gets a good welcome when he returns. And we don't know when he's going to come back, so we always have to be prepared for Jesus' return. He could wait another 2,000 years or he could be back this very day. When he does... Have we made the world ready for him, to welcome him back? That's the key question. We're here to prepare a welcome for him. Could you go to the next slide? For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came. And then it was too late. Right? And so it is when Jesus returns. We're not going to have a lot of warning, folks. We're not going to have 
some good newspaper articles. There's nothing going to show up on Google as to when Jesus is going to come back. We have absolutely no idea. And Jesus says, the problem is, once I actually get there and arrive, it's too late. So you've got to always be ready and prepared. Now think back to this parable. These ten young girls all fell asleep. So the problem isn't that we often forget about whether Jesus is coming back. I'll bet you not too many of you this last week gave much thought to the fact that Jesus is going to return. Frankly, I'll admit it, and I even was prepared the sermon, I didn't think about it very much either. Doesn't matter. That's not the issue. You don't always have to be conscious of the fact that Jesus is going to return. What you do need to do, though, is to be ready to welcome him when he returns. As Jesus' advanced crew, how do we make the world ready for him? That's a wonderful, wonderful task we have, isn't it? Just to get ready to welcome our King, our Savior, our Lord, getting ready like for a party. You want to go to the next slide? But what Jesus doesn't really need is banners. What he doesn't really need is cake. What he doesn't really need is streamers or noisemakers. That's not the way we need to prepare ourselves and prepare the world to be ready to receive Jesus when he returns. That kind of stuff Jesus does not need. So what does he need? How do we make the world ready for him? You want to go to the next one? Here's that same passage that we read earlier. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find believing people who welcome his return because they love him, because they believe in him? Or when Jesus returns, will there be nobody who has any idea of who this is? Like a Joe who standing on a bare tarmac in some foreign country. What kind of reception will Jesus receive? Jesus says, I am looking for hearts that are welded together in faith, in belief, in hope, And that's the way that we prepare for Jesus. That's how we are prepared. That's the oil in our lamp that need to keep burning is the oil of faith, of belief, of knowing who Jesus is and of committing our lives to his service. Faith has three parts, right? Knowing and feeling and doing. Head, heart and hands, all working together. And so faith isn't just only knowing, it's being ready. It's doing the work of Jesus already all the time so that when we're surprised by his return, he sees us doing those works of faith that truly are the welcome prepared for him. And so The real question is, do you have oil in your lamp and do you have some extra oil? Let's put that in today's terms. It's simply the faith you have been given. 
Are you nurturing that faith? Are you making that faith grow? Are you making the faith grow in yourself, in the people around you, in your church, and as we heard in the children's message, also for those who do not yet know Jesus? Because they too need to come to faith. They too need to welcome Jesus when he returns by having that saving faith in their hearts and showing that saving faith in their lives. And so, as we're here in another September and the snow's already here, we, that's a great reminder for us to know we have to get busy again on this work of being church because the work of being church has everything to do with strengthening faith. Our own faith, the faith of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, the faith of the children as well as the adults to strengthen each other in faith. That's what makes the right welcome for Jesus if and when he returns. Not if, when he returns, right? So that's something that we need to keep working at every single day. We can't wait, Jesus says, in order to build that faith. Don't wait until he returns because then it's too late. No, we need to be building faith every day, every year. Your Bible reading. How much Bible did you read last week? How much did you pray last week? Just these very simple Christian disciplines that strengthen our faith. How much have you uh, done in terms of worship? This is a great place to be. This is why worship is so incredibly important. It's one of the key ways in which we can build faith and community together. But there are so many other ways in which we as a church, as families, as individuals, as roommates, can get together and also continue to build faith. Let's go to the last slide. In order to make a suitable welcome for Jesus, I think is... uh, fairly similar to what happened to me this summer. You remember the summer? There was no snow out there, and it was actually quite lovely for a while before all the smoke came. But uh, my, my wife went off to the Netherlands for two weeks uh, for a trip with her sisters, and uh, uh, husbands were not invited, which was probably a good thing, because when those four get together, you, you know, it, it, it could be quite interesting. Um, so I, I was quite happy to be at home, but she says... Take good care of my plants. She loves her outdoor plants. It got a little dry there, so she says, every two days, you get out that with that hose and you drown them. All right. So anyway, I was anticipating her return. I thought it would be great to have her come home and uh, give her a lovely welcome. Well, I could not put that off till the day she came back. Oh, I could put off the vacuuming. I could put off doing my own laundry. I could put off all sorts of things until the day before she returned. One thing I could not put off was those plants because growing things need to be nurtured every step of the way. Every two days, I had to go out there and prepare for Margot's return, right? It's not rocket science. So it is with Jesus. Don't get caught up short like those five foolish girls who knew perfectly well 
that in order to be ready for the bridegroom, you had to be prepared. Your faith. Are you working on it? Are you causing it? Are you watering it? Nurturing it? Feeding it? Is your faith the kind of faith that truly binds you to Jesus even before he's back in order that when he returns, you will welcome him with open arms? This congregation, what you're planning to do for the coming church season, will it build that faith? Will it make it strong and healthy and well and mature and will it keep growing so that when Jesus returns, this congregation can open him with welcome arms? Brothers and sisters, that is Jesus' call to us. Be prepared. Be ready by working every day at building faith. And then you will give Jesus the warmest, best, most honorable welcome you possibly could. Amen. Let's sing together, shall we?